All right, good evening. About halfway through the week now. Starting to get tired, a little bit fat. They've been feeding after church over here every night and put on my suit tonight. And I said, Whoa, Nelly. I'm going to have to let this one out a little bit or, or go a day without eating or something. But it's been good all week and uh, had a good spirit uh, so far and hopefully we can maintain that. And got some boys together and went out and handed some, out, uh, some gospel tracts and some flyers from the church and invited some folks to church. And so pray that uh, that will help. Boy, I, I ran into a lady today and, and she reminded me of uh, somebody else I've run into before and talked to before. Uh, but I asked her to come to church and gave her, you know, gospel tract and a flyer and all that stuff with the church information on it. And uh, she didn't look like she wanted to talk very much. But I asked her, uh, was she saved? Did she know she was going to heaven when she died? And she said, no. And I said, uh, well, uh, I'd be happy. I said, well, uh, you know, you could come out here and go to church with us and figure that out and get all that stuff settled. And, or I'd be happy to stand right here on your front porch and tell you about it. I said, I could show you very easily how you could know for sure you was going to heaven. And uh, I said, is that something you'd be interested in? She said, no. No, not interested in it. And uh, I said, well, man, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to recover from that for me. I, uh, I, I, I'd like to sometimes, I guess, hear, I'd like to hear yes. That's what I'd like to hear. Uh, but, you well, I ain't got time right now or something like that. Something that would give you some hope that a person might want to know or might want to understand. But just know, don't want to know. And she's probably about 75, 80 years old, Brother Curtis, and she ain't going to get many more chances. She ain't going to get many more chances. There's people like that all through, this, all through this swamp and all through the mountains where I'm from and all through the north where I live and everywhere. They're everywhere. People that just don't, just don't care. People have got so desensitized now from the stuff they see on TV and from being far away from God and going to church on Christmas and Easter like it's part of the holiday. And uh, they've, got, they've got so used to that that there's no fear of God left. Amen. The Bible says there's no fear of God before their eyes. People that go to church don't even act like they care. Amen. Just anything goes now. Uh, dress like you want, and, and I hope you do dress like you want. It's your business, but hopefully you want to dress modest like a Christian. Amen? Amen. And uh, like I said the other night, I'm not interested in telling people what to wear or what people has on or what color people has on. Not interested in that, but I am interested in modesty because that's what a Christian ought to be. Amen? Uh, but uh, there's no fear of God. Nobody is, seems to be willing to... Uh, uh, to where they're, they, you know, they say, we don't want, we, we, it's okay if you're saved, but I don't want you to wear it on your sleeve. Well, I ain't trying to wear it on my sleeve, amen, uh, but I'm trying to uh, let my light so shine before men, amen. That's what the Bible says to do. Let your light shine. And, and uh, this world's got cold to it and got comfortable being cold, I, I think. And folks have got away from the house of God. And that's what I want to preach to you tonight about is, is uh, out of, uh, let me tell you where it's at, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I want to preach to you about that one place. This is the one place you need to be. Amen. Now I know there's folks from other churches here and folks from different places here, some folks from Pensacola and different places around. And uh, we're glad you're here. But we know that back home you got your own church. Amen. Got your own place. 
I never have run into a Christian that was much count that said, well, I just kind of drift around and I go over here a little while and I go over there a little while and I go, and hopefully wherever you live, you got a couple churches around where if they have revival, you can go visit and go worship the Lord with them. But there ain't nothing like your place. Amen. Now, uh, I started to quote a preacher, but I remember now that it ain't a preacher. I heard a preacher say it, but then uh, that I know that preacher ain't this old. Uh, wasn't very long after I heard him say it, I heard the Three Stooges say it. So <laughs> when the preacher said it, I said, man, that's a good preacher saying if I've ever heard it in my life. And, uh, but then I found out he got it from the Three Stooges, amen. But that, that shows you what I was watching on TV, <laughs> amen, amen. And I, I think he said something like, uh, there ain't no place like this place anywhere near this place, so this must be the place, amen. And uh, I hope you, uh, if you go to church here, I hope you feel that way about this place and if you go to church somewhere else I, I hope you feel that way about that place too amen and uh, just, there's just something about the word of God you uh, you know well, we need diversity well there, listen if you got the spirit of God you ain't going to get that much diversity if you come here you'll get God's spirit and if you go down the road and it's if it's God's place you're going to find God's spirit and it ain't going to be that much different to where not to where you'd be able to say well, I like my church, but I hate this one. You, it shouldn't be that way if it's God's people, amen. And uh, that'd be a uh, that'd be a good way to, you know, maybe look at things. You feel, uh, I, I hate to go into a church and feel uncomfortable, don't you? Yeah. I told Nathan not too long ago. I said, man, uh, uh, anybody. Uh, I said the last person that ought to be uncomfortable in, in the church is the preacher, amen. And uh, but I've seen some fellas, and I've known the fellas. You know, sit in the church, they're the pastor, they feel uneasy. Well, hey, lead it. Lead it the way it ought to go, and then you'd feel right at home. Amen? And that's what God called you to do. I, I don't believe in being a dictator. I believe preaching the Word of God. I believe the Word of God, and, and God ought to be a dictator. God ought to dictate what goes on in our lives, and God ought to dictate those things, and preaching the Word of God will do that. Now, I've never preached this message before. And uh, if you ask me if it's a good sermon, I don't know. I just made it up sitting right over there. We're going to see how it turns out. Amen. Uh, I was going to talk to you out of uh, the book of Daniel tonight. But right before I left the house, uh, the Lord said, you should have prayed about that a little bit more. <laughs> it got kind of perturbed me a little bit. I said, well, God, you could have told me earlier in the day. Amen. You could have told me. And I, then I was looking at something, and then Reese was talking to me, and I got a little upset about that. I'm trying to think now, and I can't think and listen and do all these other things at the same time. Ruth can do that kind of stuff, but I can't do that stuff too good. But First uh, Corinthians, I've talked long enough now. You should have been able to find your place. Now, First. Corinthians chapter number 14 and let's look and read in uh, let's I guess we'll start uh, let's start reading in verse number 18 and we'll read down a little ways and some of this stuff has nothing to do with the sermon but I, I like to read God's word amen and uh, I hope I trust that you read God's word today Maybe memorize the verse of Scripture. You know what you could do that improve your life? These are things you learn at church. Read your Bible every day, and you can, without a shadow of a doubt, memorize one verse of Scripture every single day of your life. You can do that. You've got time to do that. Even the long verses, you can do that. It's not going to hurt you. And uh, to learn a verse of Scripture, and sometimes, you, you know, they say... <laughs> Uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Sometimes I hide it so well I can't find it the next day. But, but I'll memorize it again if I have to and, and go over it. And I find that when you need it, 
I believe the Lord can have you recall that. And I've read my Bible and read my Bible through and through, and a lot of verses I didn't memorize, but I've, I've realized that when you are faithful to witness, God can bring some of them verses back to your mind you didn't know you memorized. And you go check yourself. They'll be picture perfect nine times out of ten. Lord, how did that happen? Because the Spirit of God is real. I mean, this is not magic. Christianity is not a magic show. And it's not a side show. Christianity is real with the real God and a powerful spirit. And if you get involved in it, God will let you take part in it. Amen? A lot of people think, well, I can't take part in it. I can't. I never graduated from Bible school. And I've never done this or I've never done that. Or my daddy's not a preacher. Or my grandpa's not a preacher. Or, uh, you know, I just don't think I could do nothing for God. I guarantee you, if you dedicate yourself to serving God, God will use you to do something. God definitely will allow you to do something. And then, uh, and then you, I talked to a guy today, uh, and he's, I asked him if he'd come to church, and he said, uh, he said, no, I don't reckon I'll go to church. He said, I never leave this place right here. He said, my wife died, and I uh, never will leave this place. He said, I don't leave. I don't go anywhere. And I talked to him and talked to him and talked to him and talked to him and talked to him, and finally... We got to talking about his salvation. He said, yeah, my mama, my mama, she uh, took me to church when I was little, and I got saved when I was little. And I said, hey, man, I said, you ought not spend the rest of your life here. You could come to church, and God can still use you, and God can still help you. And I said, besides all that, if you're saved, you may as well come hang out with us at the church because you're going to have to hang out with us for all eternity. Amen. And so you may as well get down to the house of God and get busy and let God use you and use you for what time you got left. And I believe with all my heart it's never too late to start, to start serving God. Amen. And if you're going to serve God, you're going to have to start right here. Amen. And you start right here and God will give you something to do. Let me move on with this here before I talk all night. He says in verse number 18, he says, uh, uh, he says uh, uh, I thank God, and we talked about this a little earlier. I hope you still understand it. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding. He said, these, these words that you can understand, they'll give you understanding. He said, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. You ever seen two kids fight? Yeah. I, I know all about kids fighting. When I was a kid, I was so little I got beat up all the time. And I know this, I know this. For a fact, two little kids get out in the churchyard and get in the fight. Five minutes later, they'll be the best of buds again. They can fuss and fight and squabble and all this stuff, and they'll get right back together. And, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. And when I might poke fun at them, I did beat you up, though. <laughs> I was the winner over there a while ago, but we'll be friends now. And, and, but, and that's what that verse said. He said, he said, uh, he, he, he said, be not children in understanding. How be it in malice be children, but in understanding be men. He said, when it comes to the good things and the godly things, grow up and be a man. When it comes to all this fussing and fighting, well, if you're going to have to have a little disagreement, have it. But then go on, shake hands, make up, and go on about it like a little child might do. Verse number 21, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that will, they not hear me me, saith the Lord. Uh, uh, tongues are first sign. You know what's a pretty good indicator that God is real? When you can get people that 
or off in other cultures and other countries and, and they've got a Bible and they're reading, they're learning, they get together with Christians that don't even speak their language. They find out that the, they serve in the same God and learning the same doctrines and getting the same interpretations. And the, the Lord said that's a sign. Because I tell you what, there ain't many places, there's not many subjects, there's not many ideas where men get together when they're from different cultures and different languages and different things like that. There's something between men that way. God made it that way. God separated all the languages to confuse them. And when people of different languages confused about one another, but they get a hold of the same God, that's a sign to you that lets you know things are real and good. Amen? So he says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned, those that don't know languages, or unbelievers, he said, will they not say ye, that ye are mad? But if all prophesy, and that prophesy in the New Testament is largely about preaching. But he says, if, if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness and for your grace. And we pray, oh God, that you'd help us here for just a little bit. I pray you'd help me to preach. I pray, oh God, that you'd help me to say what needs to be said here tonight. And I'll thank you and praise you for that. And I pray you'd take your word, dear God, not my uh, dynamics, not my intellect, not my training, nothing of that, God. But I pray you'd take your word and that you would use it, dear God, to instruct the hearts of your people. And Lord, I know if you died for these people, if you died for me, if you died for us, and if you gave your son for us and you preserved your word for us, then I know, oh God, you're able to instruct us, dear God. And I thank you and praise you for that great truth. And I pray, oh God, you'd help me to preach. I pray, oh God, that you'd help me, God, to say what's right, to say it well, and then to stand aside, God, and let the Holy Spirit do its work. And I'll thank you and praise you for everything that you do. Forgive me my sins. Wash away anything, God, that would separate me uh, from your fellowship, God, and disconnect me, God, from the things that I ought to say tonight, God. And uh, Lord, I pray these things in your name and for your sake. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's go back up there again in verse number 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place. And I'm telling you the church of God is a special place. I'm glad about the church of God. Uh, I can say that more than anything else in my life. I started going to church when I was a little boy about four or five years old somewhere around in there. I don't remember those days very well but it's been a long time ago. Amen. But I started going to church. The church, uh, the pastor's wife came by and picked me up on the van and brought me to church and all the best things that I've ever learned in life came from a church and all the worst things that I want to forget happened when I was out of church amen there was a time when I became a teenager and uh, knew everything and nothing. Amen. That's exactly the way it goes. Uh, get about, uh, uh, get about uh, 14 or 15 years old and uh, get around a bunch of 14, 15 year olds and make the worst decisions that you ever made. And then I joined the Marine Corps and got away from mama and got away from the preacher and got away from every good influence that I knew of. And there's just a bunch of people my age. 
Uh, and the, the people that was older than me telling me what to do, they didn't care nothing about us. They wouldn't go spend an extra minute with us. You bunch of maggots, I'm done with y'all today. I'm going to go to my house. You go to your house and turn us loose like a bunch of, uh, you know, we were 18, 19, 20 years old. But turn that, that I don't know if 18, 19, 20 years olds ought to be turned loose, not unless they're full of the Spirit of God. Amen. Uh, but, but, boy, you get far away from God that way. Uh, so all the things that I ever regret in my life happened when I was away from God and away from church. Amen. And all oh, you know, people got the idea I'm going to go down to church and the preacher's going to try to tell me what to do. And, it's, and I'd say that's a pretty safe place. Amen. Maybe he will try to tell you what to do. And maybe it is you do need a little bit of guidance. Amen. And I know this. Listen, I've memorized scripture and read the Bible and preached sermons and been to more church services than uh, most people that I know. And I'll tell you this. If I was to drop out of church and quit going to church, I'd be in as rough a shape as anybody sitting in this room or anybody walking around Charlton County tonight. You say, what is it? Well, there's just something about going it alone that ain't very nice. It ain't very strong. It ain't very strengthening. Uh, the Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? But it says, if uh, two walk together and one falls, the other one can get them up. Amen? And then, boy, if, if, if one is good to walk with, why not 30 or 40? Amen? 30 or 40 would be pretty good to walk with. Amen? And if I was going through some trouble, uh, it'd be nice. Uh, I know that I can get down on my knees and and pray, and I trust God to hear my prayers, but I think it's good that I could pray over something that I was having a hard time with, but I think 30 or 40 other people, or 50 or 60, or 100 more people praying with me, I think that'd be even better, wouldn't you? When you're just going through your darkest time, wouldn't you like to know there's 100 people praying with you? Amen. Well, uh, the Bible says, they that trust in lying vanities forsake their own mercies, and a lot of times them lying vanities, boy, you need some rest. You ought to just stay home tonight. Well, you probably do need the rest, but you need the Word of God, and you need your church brothers and sisters more than you need rest. I mean, I guarantee you, if, it's, uh, if, it, if it was some kind of an event where you're going to have, you know, go to the ball game or something like that, uh, oh, I'm tired, but I can't hardly miss out on the Braves or the Yankees or whatever kind of baseball you like. I can't. Uh, I think I might go to a baseball game to get some rest. I don't. That's a boring game to me. I played it in high school because I could catch, but I don't. But baseball's boring to me. Amen. But uh, go down and talk about a God that made everything. I'm interested in that. Amen. The devil. Now the devil. I'm just like you. The devil got me interested in the things of this world before, and I'm sure that I, I'm, I'm sure it won't be the last time. The devil can fool me pretty easy. I'm just a mere man, and I'm sure the devil's fooled you a time or two. But I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like going down the house of God and, and seeing the great things that God has done. You know, over in the book of Psalms, David says, "Lord, I want to see you like I seen you in the sanctuary." And all in the world that means is David goes down to the house of God and David learns about God and David hears the preachers preaching about God and David hears the teachers teaching about God and boy if he's hearing about Moses parting the Red Sea and uh, they, uh, I guess David certainly did hear about David uh, killing the giant with the rock. I'm sure he heard about that. But if you went down to the sanctuary to the house of God and heard about how God could do all those things you'd pray that prayer too. Now God I want to see you kill some giants for me. 
Amen. So going to the house of God ought to put some uh, fire about you. It ought to put some fire down deep in your soul to say, hey, if I'm going to serve this God, I want to see him work for me too. And you get that desire to have a fellowship with God. And that's what it says here. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And so this fellow comes in, he's an unbeliever. He don't know about God. He don't understand about God. How can Noah get all of them animals into an ark? Well, I tell you what, that may be hard to understand, but when you get to know my God, you might be able to understand that. And it ain't too big of a miracle to do that. It's not a miracle to get all them animals into one ark. All you got to do is build it big enough. It's a simple answer. Oh, I, oh, I'll get him with this one right here. You know, I'm going to shut that guy up the next time he whips me. How did Noah get all them animals in the ark? He built it big enough. Now you got something else you want to talk about, amen? Now that we've talked about your interests, now let's talk about uh, the book of Romans and how to get saved, amen? And so the Bible says here, he says this fellow is, he hears the preaching and he says the secrets of his heart are made manifest. Now now we're getting down to the stuff I want to talk about tonight about coming to church, amen? Now uh, first of all and, and uh, primarily this church is not a youth group. Amen. I couldn't tell you how many doors I've knocked on in Charlton County and uh, somebody, uh, you know, uh, somebody closed the doors on you, but some are interested. But I couldn't tell you how many times the first thing I, I was asked about the church is, do you got a good youth group? Well, I tell you what, if all the youth are saved, that's a good youth group. I think what they mean is, can you feed my kids hot dogs every once in a while? And I've got nothing against feeding a kid hot dog. We had a hot dog every Sunday on the bus. We had so many hot dogs while I was at White Plains Baptist Church. I didn't know if I wanted any more hot dogs until I got separated from hot dogs. And I said, I believe I'll have me a hot dog after all. But the primary objective of any church, People's Baptist here, Faith Baptist where we go to church, whatever church you go to, the primary objective of your church is not to feed a little kid a hot dog. Amen. It's to preach the gospel. And uh, what kind of youth group do you have? Well, we've got a saved youth group, hopefully. Hopefully we've got a youth group that's learning the Word of God. That's the first and the primary. The first thing he says here about when an unbeliever comes in, he says that the secrets of his heart are made manifest. And so falling down on his face, we need some of them. We're talking about this one place. That one place ought to be a falling down on your face place. Amen. It ought to be a place where, you, where God is dealing with your heart and, and changing your heart. Not just come as you are. Well, you can come as you are all you want to, but you ought never leave the way you came. You ought to be changed every time. You come in here, God shows you who you are and what you are. And listen, I don't care if you've been saved 50 years and you've been coming to church 50 years. Listen, you can still get your heart changed. And in fact, listen, if I'd been going to church 12, 13, or 14 years and it had been a long time since God had made a change in my life, life, boy, I'd get down at an altar tonight and fall on my face. You know, I heard a fellow over there in Brunswick, uh, somebody related to me that that fellow pastor in that church over there in Brunswick, he didn't believe in an altar in a church. That's ridiculous. Well, right here, this is a church. This, hey, when the, if therefore the whole church become together into one place, sounds like church to me. 
Sounds like a church to me. Yep. And he comes in, he don't know God. But somebody's preaching it, and he gets introduced to God. And the Bible says he's convinced, and he falls down on his face. Now, you might fall down on your face back there or fall down your face down here. But wherever you fall on your face at, that's where God is. Amen? If you fall, that, listen, he says you fall on your face, and he says, he says here, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And falling down on his face, he'll worship God. You want to, uh, so I've had many people say, what is worship? Is that screaming and hollering? Well, the one place where he definitely connects worshiping God with a specific activity, it's falling down on your face. Amen. Amen. Now, if somebody was to run the aisles and shout hallelujah, would I call that worship? I wouldn't mind calling that worship. But the one place in your Bible where it connects worship to a specific activity, it's falling down on your face. Amen falling down on your face. He said the secrets of his heart are made manifest and so falling down on his face he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. I was uh, talking, I believe it was to Brother Nathan or maybe one of these fellas last night and was talking about these uh, youth groups and youth activities. Maybe it was in the van today while we was visiting. Uh, but uh, the, the, what I see going on in churches today is the kids come in and, and then maybe they might hear some preaching on Sunday night. They might and they might not. Wednesday night they'll take them off in some other room and have all kinds of activities and Sunday morning Sunday school or Sunday morning junior church they'll take them off and have all kinds of activities for them and Wednesday night activities for them. And rarely do they ever sit down in here in the church and rarely do they ever hear preaching and they all their exposure to God is just fun and games and fun and games and teach them little stories. That's okay and that's great. That's wonderful. But everything they learn about God's connected with a game or connected with an activity we're going to go to church and, and brother so and so the youth pastor is going to give us hey, and I, you say brother Mike you throwing down on youth pastors I'm an associate pastor of a church and I'm the youth pastor too you say what activities do you give the youth in your church we preach we preach you say why because the Bible said God chose the foolishness of preaching amen God likes preaching amen that's the method that God proposed that we use amen he proposed it very definitely too Amen. Well, all these activities, they got all these activities, all these activities, all these fun and games, all these fun and games. That's all well and good. I've got nothing against fun and games, but I do know this. They're going to get 18 and have to go to the adult church. And they're going to have to sit around a bunch of adults that ain't even concerned about what's going on in there. And the adults is yawning and the preacher's yawning and, and he never gets up above a whisper. And they'll sit around and watch that thing for a few minutes and be like, well, I don't know. If I should have left a youth group or not, I'm, I'm sorry I got old. I can't worship Jesus with fun and games no more. And they'll be out, they'll be gone in just a little while. You say it ain't happening, but you look around and see how Bible-believing churches are closing up and Bible-believing churches are getting emptier and emptier and emptier. All because one or two churches around the country got this big youth, youth program and they got all these youth in there. And you say, whoa, that's the ticket right there. Hey, that big church with all the youth ain't got nothing different going on than what you got in your little church around the way. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. The thing is, you come in, you hear the preaching, and he says, hey, the responder to that preaching says, God's in you of the truth. Amen. I, that's the kind of religion I want right there. That's the, you say, why? Well, turn back over to uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, not Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you want to find out the God's program, you look at it in God's book. Amen? And in, uh, in, uh, in God's book, oh, let's, read, let's read a little scripture. 
Uh, I, I keep saying Romans 1, but that's stuck in my head because I'm a little bit senile. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 1, and look in verse number Look in verse number 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And that preaching of the cross, it is the power of God. And that's exactly what that one place, your church place, this place right here needs more than it needs anything else, more than it needs any new programs, more than it needs any dynamics, more than it needs anything else. It needs a preacher that's going to get up in this place and preach to the best of his ability. Amen. Just preach to the best you can and what, what you you can't, God can, amen. The Bible says the preaching of the cross. He said that's where the power is at. Boy, we need something that'll get, we need something powerful enough to keep kids in church past the age of 18, amen. And a lot of kids, a lot of kids drop out before that. They'll drop out when they're 16, and they'll drop out when they're 15. And a lot of them drop out when they're 15. They just still sitting there till mama can't make them go to church anymore. 15, 16. Listen, I've seen them sit on the pew. I've seen them sit on the pew and just bitter, hard, while mom and daddy pretends to be Christians. Amen. Amen. Bitter. And I look at them, I say, go to my house and pray, Lord, help them. Yeah. God, help them. Yeah. God, help them. What's the matter? God, help them. And I'm thinking of one in particular uh, young lady right now. Just see her so bitter and so tore up and you don't know what's going on. And, and it's hard to pry these days and start asking questions. People tell you to mind your business and, and all kinds of things like that. But see her sitting there and uh, finally I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, 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 all I know to do is to go and get in a place and pray 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 and come to church with a jackhammer and just beat that thing to pieces until that rock breaks. Yeah. Hey, you say, well, does it work? If the heart's receptive, it does. I hate to see folks that's so cold that you preach at them and preach at them and preach at them and preach at them and be no change. Yeah. Amen. Preach out, but now the, nowadays you got preachers that's not willing to spend the extra time to pray. You got church members that's not willing to spend the extra time to pray. Hey, listen, you look around, you see somebody in your church that's not living up to snuff. They don't meet up to your high standards. Don't ever forget that God brought you from where you was to the standards you got now. Somebody got on their face and prayed for you. Somebody drug you along when you wasn't willing to come. Somebody uh, uh, goaded you on and prodded you on and prayed for you and preached at you. Hey, don't get so hard that you can't look across the congregation and say, well, you know, that person, they don't look like they're doing right and acting right. Maybe we need to get rid of them. No, that ain't the way you want to do. You want to say, Lord, help me to help them somehow. and Help me to pray for them and help me to stand in the gap for them because God said that's what he was looking for, a man to stand in the gap. Amen. Amen. Well, it seems not to be a burden. Now, what you got to do is uh, just accept everything that comes down the road and be real nice. and Don't Rock the boat, none, because, you know, they might leave. And if they leave, I won't have a chance to help them. Well, you better help them while they're there. Amen. Yeah. 
you ought to preach to them while they're there, tell them the truth. You ain't got to be mean, and you don't got to. You don't got to be at least uh, unless God tells you to be mean, then be mean. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Some of that stuff might happen, but that's not the norm. And and hard straight preaching against things that are killing people, that's not mean. I tell you what's mean. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's going to be true to the till the end of time, folks. There's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing you can do about that. And you say, well, we ought to help people. We ought to be nice to people. Man, I, I think if there's a snake wrapped around my neck killing me, I started to say killing me to death. But that's a little bit redundant. I would hope somebody would be nice, nice, nice enough to come over there and start whacking at that snake. Help me out. Help me out a little bit. Get this snake off my neck. And uh, you say, well, Brother Mike, there's a way you go about that. Listen, if there's a snake wrapped around your neck trying to kill you, and that snake is sin, make no mistake about it. Pardon me, dear Clint. I wonder if you knew that there was a snake wrapped around your neck. I wonder if you would mind if I would pull it off for you. He'd say, no, I like my snake. I want you to mind your business. Well, I'll tell you what, the next time I'm going to catch you not looking, I'm going to bring my, my hoe over here and start whacking at you. <laughs> you think I'm whacking at you, but I'm whacking at that snake around your neck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Right. <laughs> Amen. You ain't got to worry about that. I hate a hoe too bad to, to be carrying one around too much. Amen. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that. Amen. I used to plant a garden down here, man, hoeing them rows. That ain't no fun, amen. <laughs> I hate a hoe. I sure do. Amen. <laughs> amen. But listen, that's exactly what people think. You go to preaching and you know something's messing them up. You know something's tearing it up. God lays on your heart to preach about a thing. Listen, I know we live in the world and, and there's a lot of things that goes on in the world that people take part in. But some of that stuff will wrap around your neck and drain. Every, they'll drain your love for one another. They'll drain your, your love for this church. They'll drain your love for the Word of God. And every once in a while, God's going to call a preacher to come down there with the hoe and start whacking at you. I'm not whacking at you, though. He's trying to get that stuff out from around your neck. The wages of sin is death. That verse is true. That verse is true whether you're saved or not. The Bible says that darkness is death. That darkness deals with death. You say, well, I'm going to live forever. I've got eternal life. Yeah, I know, but this old flesh ain't going to live forever, not till God changes it anyway. Amen. Oh, but we live in a society where, you know, I'm not going to. Preach too hard. I'm not going to say nothing about it. We're just here to encourage one another. I hear that at every camp meeting I go to. They may not say it any other time. I don't know. But when I go to a camp meeting, I usually hear that. Well, now if you get called to preach, we're not here to grind no axes or nothing like that. I'm here to grind axes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Do you want a sharp axe or not? Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of dummy? I'm not here to grind no axes. Well, you're a dummy then. Yeah. In the, listen, in the Bible, talking about a prophet, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about prophesying and telling people what's going to happen in the future. The Bible said there was a whole school full of prophets, and they was trying to build a school for those prophets. And one of them lost the axe head off of the axe, and he said, hey, I need my axe head. And my old preacher back up there in the mountains of North Carolina preached a whole message one time. You're chopping with the handle of the axe. <laughs> yeah. Now, you go out here and you can... Try to chop down a 
soft pine tree with the handle of an axe or an oak tree with the handle of an axe and you're going to beat that handle to pieces before that axe ever, before that tree ever falls down. And what people are doing, they're trying to stay motivated and they're trying to stay encur encouraged, you know, to encourage everybody. They're trying to stay encouraged. But as far as the Spirit of God goes, the Bible says your sins have separated between you and your God so that He will not hear you. And you've got a bunch of Christians out there living life and in the sense of the thing is that they're trying to chop down the trees of life and they ain't getting no work done because they got a dull axe. They chopping with the handle of the axe. They ain't going to cut down no trees that way. You try, Listen, what I'm trying to say is people are trying to do it their own way. And you're not going to be able to live God's life your way. You have to live it God's life. You have to live, you have to live it God's way. You have to live God's life God's way. That's, what, that's the way you've got to do that thing. And that's why they call it godly. Godly. Sometime you read the book of Jude, it's only one chapter. It ain't going to hurt you. But over and over he says, the ungodly, the ungodly, the ungodly, the ungodly. What does it mean to be godly or ungodly? Well, godly is godlike. The word is made up of what it means. It's godlike. Ungodly is ungodlike. I mean, how am I going to know how to be? How am I going to know to be like God? I'm just going to follow what I feel in my heart. Well, the Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Not mine. Sitting now, see if you'd have been in Sunday school for the last five or six weeks, you'd have known that that ain't true. This old heart's still deceitful. Amen. It truly is. It'll say, Oh, I'm so tired today, I can't go to the house of God. You say, Are you emphasizing tonight going to the house of God? I think it's the most wonderful place of, of all. Amen. I bet you get more godly down here than you will at home. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And listen, you stay down at your house while your husband fusses at you. Huh? I ain't coming back to this house no more because all you do is fuss. <laughs> I've heard, I ain't coming back to this church, all you do is fuss. That ain't all I do. That's just all you hear because you're guilty. Right. That's right. Huh? That's right. Uh, obviously, you hear all these people laughing, they ain't guilty. You're mad, you're the one that's guilty. You know what makes people mad? Now listen, now listen. You know what makes people mad this day and time? It's to call this building the house of God. I'll have you know, brother, that this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Looking at your body, it don't look like no temple of the Holy Ghost to me. Maybe there's a genie of the lamp. <laughs> Come around and rub some of these bald heads. You know, some, something might pop out for sure. Ain't nothing coming out of there, amen. I've called the church the house of God and had them come up, you know. Dr. Ruckman Jr. Don't make no mistakes. I love Dr. Ruckman. I just don't like all the imposters. Now the Bible says right here, brother, that your body is the temple. Yeah, I understand that. I've been reading that book a long time. I've seen it. But did you see? Let's look First Peter, just uh, First uh, Timothy, just a minute. You know what Timothy's about? The book of Timothy, the book of Timothy is about the house of God. It's about how to behave when you're at church. I don't know if you knew that or not. They call them the pastoral epistles. And I can't find it. 
I'm just kidding. I can't find it. First Timothy. I got a new Bible. I had to get a new Bible with bigger print so I can read it with my glasses. First Timothy. The book of Timothy tells you how to behave when you're at house, at the house of God. It tells you how to behave when you're at church. It tells the preacher what he needs to know about how to minister to God's people. That's what it tells you about. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Amen. Which is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. It's that one place. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. It's right here. It's the pillar. It's what holds everything up. If your life's falling apart you might have a problem down at God's house. Amen. And a lot of people do have a problem with God's house. Amen. And in a lot of places, I don't blame them because most churches run by women. Yep. Now we're about to get clipped out of context here. <laughs> I wind up on somebody's crazy movie about fundamentalists or something. But listen, I'm, I'm telling you right now, listen, I, I don't have any, I'm not a male chauvinist. I don't think bad of women. My mama, my wife, and three of my daughters is women, and I treat them as good as I possibly can. Yeah. I treat them better than I treat myself. I love them. Amen. Yeah. But listen, God still has to have His way. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 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 But now everything is so sweet and loving. And, uh, a lot of men just don't want to go to that. Yeah. And, and then, that is a fact. There ain't no question about that. Well, I think it ought to be this way. I think it ought to be that way. I'm sure some lady did all this. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you put your time and effort into it. But sometimes just kick it and knock it over. <laughs> you can pick, I know who done it. I know, listen, Brother Mike, you're going to offend one of our ladies. and they're not gonna, I know who did it. Uh, they've been hearing hard preaching for as long as I know them. They're not going to run off and quit. Amen. Amen. You throw that junk right out the window. They wouldn't, they wouldn't care. I'm not going to do it because that probably costs some money or something. <laughs> but listen, I, I, I kid you not. Most churches are run. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't offend her. And I, oh, I know they want to do it this way. And they've always done it this way. And Brother Nathan trying to deal with that church. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, you got, oh, now this is the way we do it. We don't do it that way no more. Yeah. That's just the way you got to say. That's what, just the way you got to do it. Hey, listen, when I, uh, it's going to cost you some time. I started to tell about this the other night, but I got distracted and forgot about it. We came to this church the first day. There was about 65, 70 people here. Next week, there was 12. You say, why? Because they found out that things weren't going to be done the old Southern Baptist way. This is an independent Baptist church. Charismatics are not going to be comfortable around here. Uh, ladies that like to run their husband, you're not going to be. Listen, I know you got a mind you can think probably better than he can. But unfortunately, God said a man was to run his house. And a man was to run the church. Amen. It's to be run a man's way where a man feels comfortable. I mean, a, a man that uh, has to feel hogtied and can't feel like he can raise his head without somebody correcting him about something. He's just not going to do nothing. Amen. Well, I wish I had a husband that was a go-getter. We'll let him go get her. Yeah. Yeah. Every time he gets up to go do something, I don't think you should do that. I just don't think you should do that. I think I'll go get a gun. No, I just don't think I, I don't think you ought to go get a gun. I think I'll go get a new car. I don't think we need a new car right now. I just don't. 
Do you know there's households where every time a man says, I think I'll do, oh, you, can. you know, I think I'll leave this dead-end job I'm in and do something for myself. I just, that's dangerous. I don't think you ought to do that. I just don't. You know what he's going to end up doing? He's going to end up sitting on the couch. And then she goes, I just don't think you ought to sit around all the time and watch TV. What can I do? Huh? And, and that's the kind of situation where you, that's the kind of situation where you get up and try to start living for God and somebody comes along and says, I don't think you're doing that right. Or you get called to preach and you start preaching and everybody else around goes, well, he just don't know what he's doing. And so what you're going to do, stick your head in the sand, do nothing for the rest of your life? Yeah. Amen. You know what every man needs and what every, every woman needs? They need a man's church. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's exactly right. A man to get up and say, boy, this is right. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, the way the rest of the world lives... There's, a, there's an angst about it. There's a, there's a controversy about it. There's a, there's a sharp edge to it where if I step out and make this stand, if I make it for God, if I make it for my family, uh, then everybody's going to say, you, you're not doing the wise thing. Well, you're going to have to learn to do it anyway. You're going to have to step up and do it any, anyway. Yeah. Amen. God says to Moses, turn left right here. God says to Moses, turn right right here. God says, turn left right here, Moses, and make a right at the next light, Moses. And the next thing you know, they're at a big dead end. There ain't nothing but a big ocean in front of them. Yeah. And the people said, um, hmm. It seemed like every time they run into a hardship, people start looking for rocks. <laughs> uh, now, I know I'm putting a couple stories together, but that's exactly everything. Every time Moses said, now, God, where we go? Now, you go this way, Moses. Moses led them down the street. And I tell you what, they'd end up at another problem. And the Bible said they spake of stoning Moses. Amen. And then God showed up and they go, oh, we're right with God after all. <laughs> huh? A church, a, a good place like this is going to need somebody to go and get along with God and pray. I mean, you ain't going to be able to watch the Flintstones five hours a day. You're going to have to get, a, get along with God and pray or something. And when God says make a move, you're going to have to go make a move. Yeah, right. Preacher's going to have to do that down here. You fellas is going to have to do it down at the house. And listen, some of you ladies ain't got no husband at home to do it. You're going to have to step up and do it, do it yourself. And I know you don't have a problem doing that. A lot of ladies seem to be able to do that themselves. But I'm telling you this, we live in the world where that's, that's the norm now, that, where that's very common now. Yeah. Amen. Society's being tore apart out there. Society ought not be being tore apart in here. It ought to be put, put, getting put back together in here. Right. Yeah. Amen. I'm telling you this, it ought not be the case where a woman has to keep coming to her husband. Will you come to church with me? Will you come to church with me? Will you come to church with me? Daddy ought to be the first one ready. Let's go to, her, let's go to church today. Amen. I tell you what, when, when mama leaves the house and them boys looking back at their dad, they're thinking, boy, I wish I stay with my dad. Dad don't want to go. I tell you what, you better get them youngins falling in your footprint, pr footprints while you're early, while they're while they're young. They'll get up, they'll get up 15 or 16 years old. I started to say this a while ago. These 16, 17 year olds get together, they'll start making decisions together, and then it'll be Katie barred the door. You don't know where they're going to be. I can tell you this: there ain't a 16 year old on this planet that can tell a 16 year old how to be 17 years old. 
They ain't got no experience in that department. But there they are making decisions that's going to affect the rest of their life based on no knowledge and no direction whatsoever. Just what we, just like the churches are running. Just like we feel like. We like it that way around here. Well, that's good. Every church, I'm sure, has got its own flavor. But I hope it's God's flavor that it's got. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. House of God. It's the house of God. It ain't Clint's house or Mike's house or Nathan's house. It's the house of God. The house of God. I'm perfectly comfortable with that terminology. You say, well, I don't think we should. This is just brick and mortar. Let me tell you about brick and mortar and, and about the house of God. There was a fellow named Jacob. And uh, the Bible calls him Jacob. The Bible says his name means supplanter. And I hope you've been to Sunday school enough time to know about Jacob. But Jacob got in a situation where his brother wanted to kill him. And so his mama sent him away to find a wife from his cousins. <laughs> Amen. And he's on his way up there and he, I'm tired. So he got this field and he got him a rock. And he put that, put that rock down, laid his head on it, went to sleep and had a dream. And that was one of the best dreams that there ever was. That was the dream about the best situation you could possibly have. Yeah. It was a ladder that was let down from heaven. The top of it was in heaven, and the bottom of it was right here. That's exactly what you need. Yeah. That's exactly what this place needs to be. Yeah. It needs to be a ladder with its foot on the ground and its top in heaven, and the Son of Man standing at the top of it. Yeah. Amen. And uh, so, so uh, you know... The Bible says Jacob's looking up there and he sees all that stuff and he wakes up and you know what he calls it? He said, this is Bethel. And that word Bethel means the house of God. This is the house of God, he said. It's a rock and a field. It's a rock and a field. A place where he met with Jesus. Oh, I believe I'm going to go hear Brother Nathan preach. I don't know. Come hear God. If you get to hearing too much of Brother Mike or Brother Nathan or Brother whoever your pastor is, you might get bored of that. But if you come looking to hear from God, God will use that man. And if you come bitter, God may not use that man. So I knew there wasn't nothing to him. And all the time God's saying, it's not him, it's you. Uh, Balaam, was, Balaam was getting instruction from an old mule. Oh, God can use an old mule. God can use an old mule like me and an old mule like him. The problem ain't with the problem ain't he ain't prepared and he ain't praying. That's not the problem. The problem you didn't come to hear from God. Uh, 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 Jacob has a rock and a field, and he said, "Surely God was in this place, and I knew it not." And I, I got a, a deathly fear that a lot of people's come in, sat down on the pew, and went out and said, "I didn't feel nothing." But God was in this place, and you knew it not. You know, you know what that passage said? You know what that passage said about uh, uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter number. Oh, let me see. I think I got it. Oh, that's about Nehemiah. No, it ain't Samuel. It's in Genesis. <clears throat> Genesis chapter number 28. We'll, we'll start in the middle of the story. I done told you the middle of the story. He says in verse number 15, this ladder, he says, uh, Behold, verse 15, Genesis 28, 15. He said, Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. That's what you learn at church. That's what you learn in the house of God. God say, I'm with you. Amen. You'll go to church full of cares and doubts and anxieties and the preaching will start preaching and the singing will start singing. I like them hymns. Them hymns is important. Amen. 
And so you'll start hearing all this stuff and what you're going to hear, that message that you hear in them hymns and that message you hear in these preaching sermons that, that you hear down at the house of God, it says, I'm going to be with you. God said, I'm going to never leave you and never forsake you. Yeah. And that's what you, oh, they say the same old things. What more do you want to hear than God's going to be with you? What more do you want to hear than God will forgive your sins? What more, are you going to hear? what more do you want to hear? He said, I'm with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. God's going to do just exactly what he promises you to do. You don't know that many men that will keep their promises to you, do you? Verse 16, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took a stone and, uh, that he had put for his pillars and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that, uh, of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow. The church is where you vow vows. Yeah. Amen. This is where you make promises to God. And the Bible says it's better not to make a vow at all than to make a vow and break it. This is the place where you got down on the altar and said, Lord, save me. I want to live for you. Keep that vow. This is a place where you said, God, I don't want to do that stuff no more. I don't want to get drunk no more. I don't want to run around no more. I don't want to do none of that stuff no more. I don't want to see stuff I ought not be looking at no more. God, I need you to help me with this. And I, Lord, I vow to do it. How many times have people said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never do this again. Hey, it's, not, it's okay to make a vow, but make sure you keep it, amen. Yeah. There was something about that place that stirred you and moved you and pushed you to the place where you said, boy, I just got to make, so, make some promises to God. I got to get God on my side. There was, something moved you at the first, but don't get bored with this place. Yeah. Don't get put out with this place. Don't let somebody make you mad and move you from this place. If it's God's house, he's still there, amen. God don't move out of his house. You might move out of yours, but God don't move out of his. Yeah. Jacob rose up early in the morning. I read that verse already. Jacob vowed a vow, verse 20. He said, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou hast, uh, shalt give me, I will surely give, give, the, tenth, uh, give the tenth unto thee. That's <laughs> the house of God. He started tithing. Amen. Uh, God got such a hold on me, started tithing, giving his money. That's foolish, they say. That's foolish, they say. Oh, we're not under the law no more. Ain't nobody said nothing about the law. Jacob before the law. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Jacob set up the lawgiver. He said the lawgiver is going to come out of Judah. That's later on. Yeah. Ain't no Judah yet. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, and man, just flip back, flip the pages back a couple of bit, and find Abraham tithing. Yeah, Amen. Yeah. It ain't uh, tithing. Tithing. Man, it's, it's a dime out of every dollar. Yeah. And I never found nobody worried about that. I never found nobody worried about it that had been in the house of God and got their heart right with God and got their heart fixed. Them some good, them some good lines to preach out of, out of the book of Psalms. My heart is fixed. You know where my heart got fixed at? It got fixed at White Plains Baptist Church. 1975. I was just a little boy. Miss Lackey brought me down there and God fixed everything. 
Now listen, I hadn't been 25 yet and 35 yet and 45 yet and 53 yet. I can't say 55 because I ain't been that yet either. But I know this, that, that day I come down to the altar at White Plains Baptist Church where the preacher was preaching to me, just a little bitty kid, when I got up there on the altar and got saved, God fixed all my tomorrows. All I got to do is just walk his way and go his way and follow his way and do what he tells me to do, and I'm golden. I'm going to have problems. I'm going to have trials. I'm going to have tribulations. But that same God that just told Jacob at the house of God, I'm going to be with you always, told me at the house of God, I'm going to be with you always. And he's never broke a promise yet. He never let me down yet. And I got news for you, he ain't never going to let me down yet. Amen. Turn back over to the book of Psalms and he tells you this, if your children go astray, I'll whoop them, but my covenant will I not take from them. Sure mercies. The sure mercies. And I'm telling you, when God sealed the sure mercies in his blood, they are sealed. And when God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that's sealed. Amen. I learned about that right here. Now, you might be full of anxiety and full of care and full of worries about what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen with your situation and what's going to happen with your spleen or your kidney. But I can tell you this, ain't not a thing going to happen to it but what God allows it. And what God allows, he'll give you the grace to go through and he'll walk with you every mile. And you ain't going to learn that no other place than in a place where they're saying, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. I like that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 calls preaching prophesying. I love it because I'm telling you what's happening in the future. I'm telling you, you keep sitting here dead and dry and cold, and that's the way you're going to end up. That's the way you're going to end up. And if you sit here and try to, you know, try to warm up by the fires and say, now, Lord, give me something. Now, Lord, direct me now. Now, Lord, teach me something. Then I tell you what, you're going to get warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer. Pretty soon you'll thaw out and you'll think, you think of these crazy people standing up shouting and running around. Next thing you know, it'll be you. Amen. You'll clear me out of spot here. Sitting with the congregation of God and they're all saying amen. Boy, I might need to go find another church where they little bit more dignified. These, these people half crazy. Oh, that's your daddy up there? These people crazy around here. Huh? Crazy. I think I'll go to the football game where everybody's nice and calm and nobody gets upset about nothing. Huh? People are such liars. You know that? People are liars. I just, I'm just, I'm just not this way. What it is, you're backslid. What it is, somebody talked you out of shouting. Uh, You've been watching something on TV, you've been watching the best man preacher there is on TV, Joyce Meyer. Uh, uh, That's what you've been doing. You've been messing around with something that cooled you off. Uh, The best you can just, amen. Huh? That's right. Something happened somewhere along the way. Folks got cooled off. I'm saved by the grace of God. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. But you let Emmett Smith break out for the left guard and head down the field. Whoa! Go, boy! Go. Oh, you, see, you a shouter. You're just shouting for the wrong team. Uh, you shouting for the wrong team. Hey, y'all. Sir, I'd like to invite you to church tonight. We're having revival. (laughs) Hallelujah, preacher. I'm glad you come by. Nobody excited like that no more. You know why people out there ain't excited to come around and see a good church service no more? 
because ain't nobody in here excited about it. Come down where everybody, come down where folks are supposed to be enjoying the glory of the Lord and people sitting around. I'll tell you what, tonight, if you, you've got a little problem with what's going on tonight, I wonder what it is. I wonder what, I mean, we can step back and we can play it back. I think Brother Nathan's recorded. I think Brother Nathan's recorded. We could, we could run it back inch by inch and line by line. See, what's it, what, what is the problem anyway? Uh, I don't get it. Must have been tithing. <laughs> you ever read, rode a roller coaster? You ever rode, rode a roller coaster? You go over the top and it kind of throws you. That's the fun part up there. And then we, I think tithing must have been that over the hump. Kind of made people's stomach go, oh, I don't Oh, I might have said something about their wife telling them what to do or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you what, man, all that stuff I was talking about, I mean, if you want to have a little debate about it, I got a book right there. I know where they're at. Hmm. Amen. Amen. And the preachers, I've had preachers come stand right in front of me at a camp meeting and just stand right over me and tell me every, now he's looking at the guy back there, which you ain't a guy. You, know, just, you happen to be in that spot. But they're looking at somebody back there, but they're, they're disagreeing with something they heard me say. And they're, standing, and they're talking about preachers that are hurting people. Yeah. I wonder who they're talking to. <laughs> huh? You know how many of them come and say, Brother Mike, I, I think you're confused about that. Would you like to sit down and discuss this matter? No, they ain't discussing it because they know it come out of there. They used to believe it. They used to preach the very same way. Uh, all, these, all these camp meetings that they're talking about where they trust trying to help people. They used to go to those camp meetings and those preachers let them preach and put dollar bills in their pocket. But they found out there's bigger dollar bills from them other sources. And there's bigger dollar bills. If we can just get a big crowd in here, there's bigger dollar bills involved. I'm telling you this, hey, it ain't always going to be like this, but it always has been like this in the past. God's not got the biggest crowd down here. Hmm? When the rubber meets the road, Jesus standing in Pilate's hall by himself. When judgment comes, Jesus standing by himself. Hey, but we got the Holy Spirit in our heart now. God's supposed to give us the power to stand, amen? And when God gives us the power to stand, he tells us to stand right here. Amen? Right here. Here's where I stand. All preachers ought to give them a message called, here I stand. And just find what something God's done for you and what God taught you. And you say, God taught me this and God told me this and this is the way it's supposed to go. And I'm going to stand right here and I ain't going to move. Because I learned this. I learned this in the best learning house that there is. God's house. God's house. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you tonight for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you, dear God, for giving us a place to come to. A place we can love. A place we can hold on to. A place where when we go wrong and get a little backslid, we can come back to and say, God, help us and lead us. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you'd give us a, a stirring in this day and time that we live in to get back to the house of God. Now, I know the house of God, the church itself, God, it's not, it doesn't ascend above you and it doesn't take priority above you, but it takes all its direction from you. 
And Lord, the place where we come to get encouraged is right here. And the place where we come for hope is right here. And the place where we come uh, to get our cups filled is right here. And the place where we come to get uh, all of our anxieties put away, we can come to your word and we can come to a prayer closet and we can come right here. And I don't know of any other place on the planet we can go to for that. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit to guide us. I thank you for your word to instruct us. And I thank you, dear God, for all the blessings you've given me. And Lord, all of these blessings, all of these directions, dear God, come from one single, uh, singular place, the word of God. I found my Bible at the house of God. I found out I had the Holy Spirit of God living down deep in me. I learned that at the house of God. And it was showed to me from the word of God. Lord, I thank you for these things. And in the world, the dark, dark world that we live in where boys don't even know they're boys and girls don't even know they're girls. The dark, twisted world that we live in, God, that place didn't even exist when there was a red-hot uh, preacher in the neighborhood and when there was churches all over the place that believed exactly what I'm talking about tonight, God. Lord, that, that, that stuff, the school shootings and the, the church shootings and all that stuff come along long after we stop praying and long after we stop, stop preaching. And Lord, I pray, oh God, you'd help us to see that. And get along in, dear God, for the old time way and I'll thank you and praise you God for all that you do. Lord I could say many many th more things but God I don't want to drag out the sermon. I don't want to drag out the service. Just want you to have your will and way in our hearts and lives. Oh God help us. There's no doubt in my mind God that some other preacher could say these things far better but God is my. Uh, you gave me the opportunity to preach and I believe this is exactly what you wanted me to preach tonight God and I pray you'd take it and use it. Have mercy on us oh God and lead us in the way that we ought to go and I'll thank you and praise you for all you do. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. There's plenty around the altar. God spoke to your heart. You come do business with God tonight.